You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everyone. I'm Henry Schulman, the Giants beat reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle, and this is the Giants Splash. This is going to be one of my favorite podcasts because it stars one of the favorite players I've ever covered, Will the Thrill Clark. Will talks about his current role with the Giants. He reminisces on his big hits back in the day, explains why he retired when he still thought he could play, the two teams that wanted him then, and much, much more. We'll get started right after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Henry Schulman back with you, and I am here with Will Clark. And this is such an honor because, Will, I don't know if you know this, but you were literally the very first Giants player I interviewed when I got the job back in 1988. And for 30 years, you've liked to tell people that you broke me in, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, matter of fact, I told one of the players last night, I said, yeah, he was a rookie. We broke him in. But, uh, no, it's, it's, it's fun coming back here to San Francisco and seeing, you know, a lot of guys who have been with the organization or followed the team you know from from back in our era and uh, you're definitely one of those guys yeah you can tell by the fact that neither one of us has quite the amount of hair that we did uh, back then even yeah. though some of us started with more than others um, so I, I think uh, a lot of people ask me what it is you do when they see you kind of walking on the field here in uniform maybe you could explain your job uh, with the Giants right now so I'm just basically a special assistant um, during the day I am on the field with the team trying to help out as much as possible whether it be on the fielding side whether it be on the hitting side, uh, you know, how to be a big league or whatever it might be. Uh, but most of these guys are pretty, pretty much veterans. But a lot of the new guys I also see, you know, in the minor leagues. Uh, so I do go and see our minor league teams as well. Um, and then during the game, since I am not termed technically a full-time coach, uh, I am not allowed in the dugout, even though I'll sneak down there every now and then. But uh, what I do is I put on my marketing hat and I go up on the suite level and, uh, and, and go visit a lot of the Giants clients, a lot of the Giants season ticket holders, and uh, just be basically a community ambassador. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we, you and I have talked about this privately a number of times. I mean, you could have any number of times been a full-time baseball person once you retired from the game, and you, you haven't done it. And I, I know part of it had to do with uh, wanting to be home to raise your son, Trey. Uh, and maybe you could uh, sort of like elaborate on that. Okay, well, uh, our son, Trey, uh, who's 23 now, uh, a little autistic, and he's one of the reasons why I retired, you know, 
when I did in baseball is because, you know, we had seen a lot of improvement in him, you know, when I was home during the offseason. And so it was only a matter of time. So I needed to be home full time. And uh, now that he's a little bit older, he has a little bit more freedom. So I'm able to uh, go a little bit more. Matter of fact, I actually do take him on a trip or two here and there. But we also have a daughter who's a junior in high school, and I want to make sure that everybody like gets out the house before I do anything full time. If I do anything full time in baseball, uh, right now, you know, the Giants have been, uh, you know, very helpful with it. Uh, they, they invite me to come out here as much as possible, spend as much time, not only with the big league club, but also with the minor league clubs as much as possible. But also, you know, enjoy a little bit of freedom as well. Do you have any desire to manage in this game somewhere down the road? You know what? Um, I, I'm not going to say no, um, but also at the same time, you know, uh, you know, I'm a lot more old school. Um, a lot of the stuff that uh, some of the younger players uh, get away with nowadays, I would not be uh, as easily uh, swayed. And, and you know, you, I mean, you played under Roger Craig, you played under Dusty Baker, you went to Texas, you had other managers. I mean, managing is different because you really do have to deal more with the front office. That that might be hard, too. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. On a daily basis. Well, not only on the front office side, because, I mean, you know, you work as a team. But more, I was just talking as far as the individual goes. Um, you know, we were big into the uh, work ethic. You know, so you know, if a guy's going to take twenty swings a day, that's not going to suit me. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have to get in here and take you know 100, 200 swings a day. You know, to to perfect your craft. And uh, you know, those those kind of things would would not sit real well with me. And you know, some of the modern players, they like I said, they get away with that kind of stuff, and uh, that wouldn't fly with me. And uh, we should mention, when you say home, you're talking about Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, about how many days do you figure you're away from home with the Giants in the course of a season? Uh, you know, I start the year out. Uh, I see Instructional League, which uh, now is in January, so I'm out there for about 10 days. Uh, I go to spring training for at least a week. And then during the season, I am seeing the big club at least once a month. And then I see all of the minor league affiliates, uh, matter of fact, most of them. Uh, so probably during the summer months, I'm home two weeks out the month, and then the other two weeks I'm traveling. Okay, and are there are there kids that you talk to who have absolutely no idea who you are or what you did? Yes. <laughs> Is yes. that like a little disconcerting? It, no, not really, not really. Um, you know, it's it's just the generation. Um, you know, we were, you know, coming up. When I did, you know, it was more you knew the history of the game, and these guys now don't necessarily know the history of the game. Um, a lot of the younger guys, not not the guys like in Double A, but the guys in like Low A, uh, you know, when they don't know who you are, and then you know you're trying to show them something in a cage, and you take a few swings, they look at you and go, "Oh my, who are you?" You know, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's what we're trying to work on right there. What do you think you could do with a 90 mile an hour fastball right now? I could still hit it. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, to, to be totally honest, Henry, I mean, it, it's it's not like you lose it. It's like riding a bike. Um, you know, if if you gave me, you know, a week to prepare, I'd be able to jump into batter's box. Well, uh, Barry Bonds talked about this, too. Obviously, he could jump into the batter's box and hit home runs, but he could yeah. probably only do it two days before he'd have to rest <laughs> for five, right? Yeah, we got, yeah, we'd have to take a little break. And then, you know, the thing that I laugh and giggle about, and I tell all my buddies, you know, yeah, I could hit a fastball. I mean, yeah, that's what we've been doing since we're kids, and I still swing the bat till this day. Uh, but also, like when we were kids, I would need a ghost runner, you know, one of them deals. So, so I'd hit it, and then all right, you run now. Yeah, so. 
<laughs> just like Babe Ruth in the old days. Exactly. It's it's you know, but that that's the fun part of it. I mean, look, we did it for so long. Uh, it doesn't go away. It does not go away, and it's in your blood. Uh, that's why I'm here. That's why I help try to teach it. That's why I go see the minor league guys. And you know, when you break out the swing, and you're like, oh my, I, you know, it's still there. I just have to work on timing, and and for me, timing usually came pretty quick. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm not ragging on the uh, the new way of thinking, but I mean. Uh a lot of it, a lot of the talk now is spin rate and launch yeah. angle and things yeah. like that. Do you pay any attention to that uh, in helping the kids? Yeah, not really, um, because you know I'm more I'm more focused on you know them seeing the baseball, uh, picking a side of the plate to look for, you know, cutting down their choices on what to look for, mm-hmm. and you know when you start simplifying the game like that, the game actually gets a little bit easier to hit. Um, but uh, you know the the analytical side of things now is is a big part of baseball, and I get it. But you know, in being a baseball player and being one of the guys from the old school, it doesn't like fit into my mentality while I'm on the field, while I'm doing my job. It might do it later on, you know, down the road, but not right now. Okay, and you know, speaking of the the older times, I mean, you were you had a, a long career, uh, I think fifteen seasons. I remember covering the Cardinal series. Uh, I think which was your last. Um, the playoff series, but you know you're you're really known in San Francisco. I think for three swings. Uh, <laughs> the first one off Nolan Ryan in your first major league at bat, yep. a home run. Yep. Uh, the base hit off Mitch Williams that secured the pennant in 1989 and the Grand Slam. You hit actually a few days earlier. It hit oh, off man. of Greg Maddox. And you know when I, you know, it, you forget things as you get older. Yep. I mean we're almost the same age, and you forget things. But when something like that happens, I mean I can almost. I can almost smell what it smelled like back then. I can almost remember who I was sitting next to and what I thought and hearing the crowd. Yeah. Is it the same for you, having actually done it? Yeah, actually having done it. I mean, you know, those those memories are like ingrained. I mean, you just you can't get rid of it. And, uh, you know, it's it's just it, it, it was part of myself being a baseball player and, and just remembering some of the fun stuff, some of the great moments that have happened. And, you know, I mean – you're focusing in on some of the good stuff, but you also remember some of the bad stuff, some of the stuff that you learned from why not to do this, why look for this pitch, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And those those are the kind of things I pass along to the kids. You know, as far as just getting out there and doing it, you got to be in the moment. But, you know, you learn from it, too, as, as you go on, as you get older. Um, and, uh, I mean, uh, but of those good moments uh, that you think about, if you had to pick one, what would it be? Not necessarily one of those three. Any, yeah, any no, no. I mean, those three are pretty much some synonymous with me. But I mean, you know, if I had to just pick one, it's like, how could you ever think that you're going to hit a homer off of Nolan Ryan, your first major league at bat, on the road in a hostile environment, and go out of center field at the Astrodome? It's like that's storybook type stuff. And so that's one thing that'll always stick with me. Um, the at bat off of Mitch Williams, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of like, you know, down in the count and I'm battling back and and got a pitch to handle. Uh, the 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 grand slam off of Maddox was just that time in the ball game. I needed to find a way to put like the best swing ever on a baseball, and it just happened. And going back to the Nolan Ryan home run, how did you survive the second at bat without having a baseball <laughs> stuck in your ear? You know, it, it was it was funny. I, I tell the rest of the story is, you know, after you know you get through, you know, high fiving everybody, and I sat on the bench, and I don't know why this like calm came over me, and and you know I'm just sort of sitting there and relaxing, and all of a sudden it hit me, and Chili Davis was sitting next to me. I looked at Chili and I go, 
he's going to drill me next time up. He goes, oh, hell yeah. And uh, so my second at bat, I was I was up at the plate, and Nolan was in his windup, and I was almost, almost all the way on the ground. I was like, nah, I'm out of here. I know what's coming. And, uh, you know, sure enough, he did buzz me, you know, which is that's the way it happened back then. And, uh, you know, it's a sign of respect. Yeah, nowadays he'd have to do five days of counseling. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, plus on top of that, I mean, you know, we never, ever went out to the mound. You know, I mean – you know, the, the pitchers, that was their domain. And, you know, if if you got drilled or something like that, we'd figure out a way to get even later on. Now these guys go out to the mound and stuff like that. It's like, come on, man. Uh, that, that All you're asking for is trouble. I mean, people are going to get spiked or cut or hit or knocked out or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, it's generally not going to be the two guys that are fighting. It's usually some of the ones running around on the outside. And, uh, you know, going back to the Maddox uh the Grand Slam. The story goes that the reason people hold their gloves over their faces on the mound now is because you, with your 2012 vision, actually <laughs> saw him mouth the words "fastball in." Is that what it was? Yeah, it was. It was a combination of things. Uh, my first two at bats, he had thrown me nothing but away, and we had two other left-handers in the lineup: Brett Butler and Pat Sheridan. And he was pounding them in, so it was. It was only a matter of time before I was going to see something on the inside part of the plate. And I was standing in the on-deck circle with Kevin Mitchell, and Don Zimmer had come out to the mound to have a discussion with Maddox. And Maddox is a lot taller than Zimmer, and I was looking right at him. And he he literally said, fastball in. And at Wrigley, as you well know, the on-deck circle is pretty close, you know, to the mound. And, I mean, I was, like, looking right at him. And so I looked at Kevin, and I said, I said did you see what he said? And he said, no. I said, he said, fastball in. He said, what you going to do? I said, I'm going to look fastball in. <laughs> and uh, it just so happened it was the first pitch whack you know and it hit the grand slam and uh i didn't tell anybody but kevin mitchell went back and told some of our teammates and they in turn told some of the press press corps and then you know guys wrote articles about it and then the next spring train and you know we show up for spring training like everybody's got their their gloves over their mouths and all that i'm like what is going on here and and then i'll put two and two together and i was like man i shouldn't have told anybody <laughs> that's right you gave away the secret now um there is going to be an 89 reunion here this year, yeah. I believe. Uh, yeah. Is there anyone in particular? Well, first of all, you are coming. Oh, I'm definitely going to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, is there anyone in particular that you're looking forward to seeing on that group that you just haven't seen in a long time? You know, I, I think uh, I think you miss everybody. You know, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that you played with and you just like literally lose track of them. And so, you know, there's not one person that I'm going to put a finger on and say, you know, I definitely, you know, I, I love Big Daddy. I love Don Robinson. I want to see those guys. Love Kevin Mitchell, you know. Um, probably if I had to say I hadn't seen Robbie Thompson in a while, I'd love to see Robbie. Um, but just the rest of the teammates, I mean, those guys were were part of a special time in our lives. And, you know, we went through the wars together. So, I mean, I want to, I want to see all of those guys. And, you know, a, a couple of things that always come up with fans as well, two things uh, that you've been very gracious talking about, never shown any bitterness, but about the fact that they haven't retired number 22 here and the fact that you did not get into the Hall of Fame. I'll start with the uniform number. Yeah. Um, you, you have been very gracious. And when somebody said uh, gets number 22 and other people complain, you just say, hey, you just tell the player, hey, there's some hits in that yeah, uniform. Yeah. Is that something that you would like to see someday? I would definitely like to see it. You know, I mean, uh, you know, the Giants' rule of thumb is, you know, you only get your number retired if you're, you know, up on the Hall of Fame wall. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of went against that norm last year when they retired Barry's number, so it kind of opened the door a little bit. You know, if it's going to happen, we'll see. But, um, you know, I don't hold any bitterness. Uh, you know, I still go around the stadium quite a bit, you know, in doing my appearances. 
Lawrence's. I see quite a few 22 Clark jerseys. So, you know, it's still out there. But, uh, you know, I, I, make, I make fun of the guys that do have it. You know, I'm like, you know, I go rub on them. I'm like, hey, look, there's still a lot of hits in here, you know. So so use them number 22. So, uh, you know, but if it happens, man, I'd, I'd love it. And I think there's been a couple of times where the Veterans Committee has passed you over. I mean, it, it yeah. kind of depends yeah. on who's on the Veterans Committee yeah. at the time. Uh, what about the Hall of Fame? What are your thoughts on that? You know, I mean, I did not play this sport to get into the Hall of Fame. You know, uh, in playing it, I do think that I uh, have uh, a shot. Um, but if it doesn't happen, you know, that's that's part of it. Um, you know, I, I barely missed my first year getting back on the ballot. You suppose they had 25 percent. I had 24 percent. You know, it's one of them things. But, um, you know, with the Veterans Committee, I've been on the ballot now twice with those guys. And um both times Ozzie Smith's been on there, so I know I'm, I'm not getting. <laughs> I know I'm not getting his vote. Um, uh-huh. And hey, you know, look, there's there's other people that are very deserving. This year was, uh, you know, Lee Smith and Harold Baines. You know, uh, Harold opened the door for the DHs. Now Edgar Martinez is in there. So you know, there there there's always a possibility down the road. And earlier in the uh, in this podcast, you you said you really never lose it, and that you did retire uh, because you wanted to be at home. Now uh, I alluded to this. Uh, I believe your swan song. You tell me if I'm wrong. Was the 2000 postseason, and I and I actually covered some of that. And um, I have to admit, when I saw you for the first time at that postseason, you were not the thin, um, you know, no. kind of kind of figure that you yeah, were when no, you played. No. Uh, but yet, um, you know, and and at the age, I guess you might have been what, about, about what 36 at that 36, time. Yeah, 36. Yeah, 36. But you had a hell of a series, yeah. and it makes me wonder how many more years uh, do you think you could have played if you had wanted to? <clears throat> you know, um, I was actually. F- Swinging the bat fairly decent in Baltimore that year, and but I was hitting seventh. I was way down in the lineup for whatever reason, and uh, you know McGuire got an, uh, a hurt knee over there in St. Louis, and they traded for me at the trading deadline. So I wound up playing three months in St. Louis and wound up hitting like three fifty two, and I had I don't know fifteen sixteen homers and almost fifty RBIs in like fifty two games, and so you know it was one of those things. I was just I was just locked in on fire. And, um, you know, you alluded to the fact that, you know, played in, played in uh, playoffs. You know, we beat the Braves. We swept the Braves. And then we wound up losing to the, the Mets, I think, in six games. And um, my last at-bat with the Cardinals was a home run. So my first at-bat in the big leagues was a home run. My last at-bat's a home run. And, uh, you know, I went into that off season. Like I said before, you know, I had seen my son improving. He was improving even more. And, you know, I said to myself, and I told my wife this, I said, you know, I said, the writing's on the wall. Um, the, the Cardinals had wanted me to come back, but they, you know, wanted me to be either an outfielder or a utility guy. And I'm like, that's the, you know, teaching the old dog new tricks thing. And uh, as far as free agent wise, it was Pittsburgh or Milwaukee. And, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to I'm just going to retire. I'm going to go out on top because I'm still able to do my sport. I've played 15 years. I've, I've had, you know, some unbelievable memories. And, uh, you know, it's 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 time for me to go home and be daddy and husband. And now, you know, some people have been able to get away from the game from good for good. I mean, you you mentioned Big Daddy. Mm-hmm. Big Daddy went back to the farm in Illinois. Yeah. We never saw him again except in no, yeah. a couple of things. Would you have found it hard to stay away from the game for good? Yes. Yes. Um, it's it's ingrained in you. I mean, it's what you've done ever since you're a kid. And, you know, and I tell people till this day, uh, 
Dwayne Kuyper and Mike Kruko told me, you know, my rookie year, you know, we're giving you guys all this information, all right? You guys are new guys. At some point in your career, you're going to have to give it to the next generation. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now. It's almost like an obligation, you think? I think so, for sure. You're you're a baseball player, and you're having a lot of success, and you want to pass on that knowledge to the next generation, next class that's coming up so that they have success. And uh, when you're not at the ballpark, when you're back home in Baton Rouge, what do you like to do? Uh, I, I'm an outdoorsman, so I hunt and fish. Uh, I do a lot of that kind of stuff. I do some charity work at home. Um, and then, uh, you know, I try to be try to be husband and daddy. Uh, you know, we were doing up until, you know, everybody started driving. It was, you know, mom and dad's taxi service. Now, you know, they get around a little bit more independently, but they still need stuff done. Yeah, speak, you know, Trey, I remember he was here a few years ago and he was wearing one of your A22 Clark jersey. Yeah. He was standing along the rails and people behind were asking for his autograph and he was giving them. Did he tell you that? Yeah. He, matter of fact, I was watching him and he's like, is it OK? I was like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, sign the <laughs> Yeah. Don't sign Will, sign Trey. And he, so, but he's uh, he's real fun. Uh, every year we have a family trip where we come out here to San Francisco, and he loves being on the field. Boach is real great about it. I mean, he lets him go out there and power shag in right field because you know the pitchers they don't want to shag. So he's out there doing a great job for them. And uh, you know, just you know, just being around the sport and being around the guys in the clubhouse has really you know brought him out of his shell, and, and he's got a lot more communication just by being around the guys. Yeah, and power shagging. That's a term I first heard Don Robinson use. Uh, Hopefully he shows up. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, one other thing about Baton Rouge, you you actually see Ryan Terrio every so often, don't you? Yes, I do. I see... uh I see the riot every now and then, and uh, he has his own little uh, radio show down there, and he's got a hitting facility down there, and uh, you know I make fun of him on a constant basis. So I got to give him a little jab here and there. Yeah, I mean, let put it another way, he's a little nuts, isn't he? Uh, he's a pretty boy, and <laughs> uh, and so you know, I'm I'm more of the dirt rolling around the dirt guy, and he's the stay clean guy. So I give him a little rough time. Okay, well, listen, this was a, a lot of fun. I uh, I know you're still breaking me in, sort of, even after thirty, even after thirty-one years. And I wish you the best of luck. Well, thank you, Henry. We have uh, we've had a great time, you know, for all of these years, and we will continue to. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the Giants Blash. We'll have many more podcasts as the season goes on. Giants Double Play is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is editor in chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. You can support Giants Double Play and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to The Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. You can find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Hank Shulman, or you can email me at hshulman at sfchronicle.com. 